My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. In Haiti, as in the United States, patients, and particularly their families, are often blamed when things go wrong. Countless times, I've seen mothers berated for not caring for their children. Many times, the word that I see used is negligence. It's actually the same word in Haitian Creole. When I was in the United States, I saw it a lot too. Patients who struggled to control their HIV or diabetes were dismissed as lazy by their physicians or their nurses. And sometimes negligence is the problem. I'm in no way denying this. But much of the time, I see that we as providers are too busy, too hurried to try to understand if there are other challenges. And in Haiti, there are myriad other challenges for patients. Like you can't believe how many problems there are. I want to tell you the story of one such patient. On the face of it, she was a mother who was careless, taking her daughter to a traditional healer instead of the hospital. Her daughter almost died because of it. But if we look deeper and pull back the curtain, there was a whole backstory. And if I were in a hurry, I would not have heard it. Let's start from the day that I first met her. Every month we host a nutrition program in Bukong Boye, a little hamlet in the mountains north of us. The nutrition program is nurse-led in all the places in which we work, so I don't always go to every post, but I always go to Bukong Boye. This post consistently has more severe cases, and it's good to have a doctor there. On this particular day, the community knew I was coming, so a few non-malnutrition patients had made their way into the schoolhouse. The first was a young lady who had lost her voice several months before, and never regained it. I conferred later in the day with one of my American ENT friends, Paul, and we agreed to watch her for a couple of months. It was probably laryngitis and would resolve on its own. After that, I saw a young child I'm following for an encephalocele. Essentially, a part of her brain comes out of her nasal cavity. She is doing remarkably well, and we're working to arrange surgery for her. Lastly, though, a mother brought in her two-year-old baby. The child looked well enough, at least from the waist up, but as the mother lifted the child, she cried in pain and the issue came into full view. The left knee had ballooned to twice its normal size. It was red, hot to the touch, and the skin was tense from being stretched with swelling. The diagnosis would have been clear to anyone with medical training. This child had a septic joint. Bacteria had entered the joint space and set up a massive infection. Antibiotics alone would not treat this, because the medications would not get into the knee joint. The child would need surgery. If it did not happen quickly, she would either die or her knee would be destroyed and she would be left crippled. As I inspected closer, there was a small green something laid over the knee. I asked the mother what this was. She noted that it was a leaf. She had gone to her local leaf doctor, and he had recommended a plant to put on her knee. In this case, it happened to be a pepper plant. A leaf doctor is somewhat self-explanatory, But it's a traditional healer with no formal training who uses plants to heal ailments. And there is some crossover between leaf doctors and witch doctors in Haiti. I asked the mother how long the knee had been swollen. She told me this had been going on for eight days. Eight days? At this point, there had to be irreversible damage. What had the mother been thinking? If I had left it there, as I might have done if I had 30 other patients waiting, I would have concluded that this bad outcome was due to a combination of ignorance and negligence. But that day, I had some more time, so I asked the mother why she had waited so long. She went into more detail. 
As soon as the knee had started to swell, she had made the half-day journey from her mountain village to the only hospital she knew in the city of Quadibuque. She was seen in the emergency room. The ER had taken one look at the child's knee and probably knew what to do. This needed operating. Next, they asked for money for the surgery and for money for an x-ray. The mother was from the mountains. She certainly did not have the funds to pay for an x-ray, forget the surgery. The staff in the ER then recommended that she go to a hospital called Potifres and Sur. This is the large pediatric hospital in Port-au-Prince, and they treat patients for a very low fee. Unfortunately, given demand, it is almost always full. But at this point, the mother returned to her village. I can put myself in her shoes. She was quickly told where to go in a city of 2.6 million people with which she was not familiar. Port-au-Prince can be a terrifying and intimidating place for someone from the mountains. Many cannot read and certainly cannot speak French. Likely, she didn't have money for transportation. This would mean that she would be walking. Perhaps she was just intimidated and did not understand the gravity of the situation. But either way, she went home and saw her leaf doctor. So the mother had done the right thing initially. When she noted something was wrong with her daughter, she had immediately traveled six hours to a hospital, only to be told that the operation was too expensive and she should try another hospital in a city she didn't know. It's hard to fault her for not stumbling her way across an unfamiliar city that's currently rife with kidnapping. Also, most denizens of the mountains exist in a world where medical doctors and leaf doctors both are thought to have power. She clearly sought out care from a medical doctor first, and when that proved difficult and expensive, she turned to her village's local doctor. Clearly, though, the pepper leaf had not done anything. The child was still suffering from severe bacterial arthritis. I could not move her joint without her crying out in severe pain. We would need to get her to a hospital and to a surgeon quickly. But we had to finish our clinic. We saw all of the other children and wrapped up for the day. Then we packed the child and his mother into our four-wheel drive car and headed down the mountain. Hannah, my wife, watched the infant, and with every bump in the road, and if you know Haiti, there were many, she cried out in pain from the movement of the joint. Finally, we arrived at the hospital that we used for referrals. We were waved in by the guards and parked in our usual spot. The mother gathered her infant and walked with us to the emergency room. As we checked the mother in, the nurses became incensed when they learned that the mother had resorted to a leaf doctor instead of continuing to go from hospital to hospital. They said they would refuse her admission unless the pediatrician felt differently. Now, fortunately, the pediatrician is a friend of mine. I sent him a text on WhatsApp, and he came to sit with the patient. He overruled the nurses, and he came over to talk with me. As we both knew, the child would need IV antibiotics and knee surgery. The next day, I got a call from the hospital. Surgery on the knee would cost $500. We all knew this was the only chance the child had to heal from infection. Fortunately, a group of doctors, led by Allison Eckerd in South Carolina, have provided funds for our sickest children, those who need to be hospitalized. We were able to use some of these funds and gave the hospital the go-ahead. Several days later, I stopped by the hospital. The mother was at her daughter's side. The knee was bandaged from surgery and IV antibiotics were still being given. This negligent mother had been at her daughter's bedside for the last five days, 24 hours a day. Given the paucity of nursing staff, she was the one who fed her daughter, who bathed her daughter. She slept on the towel floor and tried to scrounge up money for a meal from time to time. I don't know what will happen in the long term with this child. She will not die, and that's a first victory. 
but the eight-day delay until IV antibiotics and surgery was likely enough that the child will have irreversible damage to her knee. This may mean that she'll have a limp for the rest of her life. Blaming the mother for negligence is always the low-hanging fruit, the uncomplicated and emotionally satisfying answer. But if we take the time and have the openness, we can start to look beyond it. We can see a system that is profoundly broken. We can see the effects of poverty. We can see how families with little to no contact with a health system act when they're priced out of most options. For a doctor or nurse anywhere, putting the fault at the feet of the patient or the family is always the easy answer. And again, I'm not saying that there are not negligent patients and family members, but we should always seek to understand first, to try to put ourselves in their shoes. In general, the more extreme the poverty, the more the challenges the patient faces. It's important to understand these challenges to be able to act on them. In our work, we see that transportation fees are an important barrier for patients, and we've started to offer a small stipend for patients who come from far distances. We see that when we send patients to the hospital, a large percentage of the time, patients do not understand the importance or don't know the way. Therefore, for any hospitalized child, we provide them a ride. This may seem like a natural order of business for an American, but it is not normal at all in Haiti. In most clinics, when someone is referred to the hospital, they need a motorcycle or a tap-tap to get there. More important than just informing us of where we can affect change, when we ask questions, it builds our compassion. It's hard to have compassion without understanding. In reality, though, we cannot do a full analysis of the challenges facing every one of our patients. We would never get through our daily patient load. But as someone who works in Haiti, I just need to know that each of my patients is facing obstacles that I can't understand. All of us that are working with patients in Haiti need to act as allies for our patients. We need to be in the trenches with them. If we can do this, we can start to make a difference. Thank you for listening. We would like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. And there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.